0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you... Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick the Week Podcast, episode 281,
1: brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners just like you.
0: Get the rocks in the
2: box. Get the water right down to your socks. This bulkhead's built of fallen brethren bones. We all do what we
1: can. We endure our fellow man. And we sing our songs to the head friends Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 281. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Ron's got a date, apparently. <laughs> and Josh Flanagan. Yeah, it's me. I'm just keeping things moving. It's we, me. It's Mario. It's me. Hey. Um, we are from the website ifanboy.com that's all about comics and the wonderful world of comic books. And involved in that, we get to read a lot of comics every week. And then one of us goes to the website on Wednesday and writes what we deem was the pick of the week, which is the book that we enjoyed the most that week, writes a review of it. And then we come back here to discuss it amongst the three of us as well as the other books that came out every week and uh, have some compelling discussion uh it's quite therapeutic compelling uh, to uh, i thought you're uh, gonna we, say companionship <laughs> <laughs> that's so, what it is have some, and have some companionship so uh, before we get to the show a quick reminder and a warning we're gonna talk about what happens in the comic books themselves and some people consider that spoiling them we're not looking to spoil anything we're enjoying them but if you haven't read your comics yet um you might want to press pause come back after you've read them and listen so you can take part in the enjoyment or just you know be risky um yeah, i got, we got
0: a, another email about that
1: did we really somebody complained did they not hear this part? I don't know. I, yeah. I got I got an email from a
2: friend of mine, and he's like, "I know about the spoiler warning, and I don't I don't think about it anymore." But I hadn't read Brightest Day yet, and it was right there in the middle. But I just I usually don't worry about it. But I was really upset about that one. Oh, so.
1: We warned you. Sorry. Yeah, no, he, he's not yeah. your fault. No, but. no culpability. So uh, this week, Josh had the pick, and boy, did he blow it. <laughs> 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 I don't know what you're going to say was the pick, and that's what I'm kind of
2: interested in. Uh, this week for the pick of the week, I chose uh, the Sixth Gun number 11. And for a, for a good time on Wednesday, it was like 60% of the pick. I was like, wow, I I really did get the heart of the people this time.
1: Um, I, I just want to clarify, I, I like the Sixth Gun. I'm not bashing the Sixth Gun. Sorry, All right, carry on.
2: Uh, the Sixth Gun number 11 is sort of the end of the second story arc. And, you know, at the end of it, I, I, I thought it was really just sort of a, a really nice – ending to the arc and just like the end of the first arc by the time like it ended you, you had this satisfying feeling of closure with the sort of particular story but the the larger <clears throat> the larger thing had been also opened up too which I, I thought was really nice because it's a bigger world to go into and it was just kind of a, an exciting issue as as the 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 forces of good battle the forces of you know evil in, in a graveyard at night and it's it's sort of everything that's sort of Mystical Western horror book is is supposed to be, um, and then at, at the very end, uh, there was just this great shot of of uh, the coffin i don 't remember the character's name, but the the dead guy uh, who the, the the evil undead uh, general dude and he 's in this train car that looks perfectly innocuous from the outside, but inside is just like it 's a coffin it 's all chained up and and there 's crucifixes painted everywhere and hanging on everything and all over the floor and I was like, oh, this is just a really Nice cap uh, about what we're dealing with uh, in this world, and then as I started thinking about it more, uh, one of the other things that that really impresses me about this is that every page, like this was this was all action and excitement through the whole thing, and just every page is just chock full of art. Like like Brian Hurt is not phoning it in on any on any level with this stuff. It's just you know there's just all these birds flying all over the place and beasts, and there's all these sort of uh, dead people risen from their graves and uh a new group of uh, sort of allies shows up at the end of the last issue you, th- you thought there were going to be more enemies but i was kind of like oh good they're, they're on the good guy's side that's nice and they're sort of mysterious gunfighting priests uh which was fun and and i just I, I love period pieces and one of the things that's best about this is that i think it really does live in the period in which it's written like the the cities are, are drawn in such a way with the the sort of cable cars and the you know the, all the clothing and the, it's just a it's a it's an all around package that I think I really like about it and the guys are coming out with it really regularly and uh, you know I, I just I want to know what happens next and and I really have gotten to know the characters um, I, I'm a big fan of you know it, right down to the names I, I was
1: uh, I was gonna say I I, I I as soon as I read this issue and saw that Bill John had a fairly big role in it I I figured oh that's probably why he got the pick.
2: <laughs> no, I, like I just like literally, to this,
1: and to this day, the C the C two E two food for people who don't know the C two E two food court had the had the uh, the food was named after comic characters, and there was the Bill John brisket sandwich that was the star of the weekend. Oh, that was delicious. Yeah, it
2: really was. It, it was a good sandwich on top of being named after a character I
1: liked. <laughs> exactly, it was a great name, Bill John brisket. It was good. <laughs> Bill John, John that brisket that was good. Oh, but it's you know, time just
2: too. like. All of the other names are like the Bill John's a great name and, and, and like Becky Montcrieff and, and Drake Sinclair and Kirby Hale. Like they're just yep. like they're kind of silly, but they work in this context really well. And you can't do that in sort of a modern day story. Um, I don't know. It was just it was just a really strong issue. And I thought that as a sort of culmination of the second arc, um, it was kind of the thing that, that made me happiest out of the books that I read this week. And, and I guess the guys are doing a really great job with it. Um, and I was really glad to see in the comments of, of the pick of the week, you know, all these people like, you know what? I got to try this. I want to, and cause I, I really want people to try it. I want people to pick the book up. I think it's worth, you know, it's totally worth it. Um, and, and you know, it's just two guys basically working on it. Uh, it's colored by Bill Crabtree, but you know, Brian Hurt does all the, all the penciling, inking and the lettering in it, you know, and they was coloring
0: like, it too for a while too. He's, yeah, exactly. He's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and you can tell just by looking at these pages, like they're full. You know he's putting in all of his effort. It hurts a guy who's been around for a while. I'm going to say at least ten years. in country,
0: he did yeah. a lot of stuff did, that you uh, probably have read, don't realize.
2: That prison book uh, that I really liked was written by Steve Gerber. Um, I can't Oz. think of what it's called. No, Uh
0: <laughs> Chained <Oz>. Heat. <laughs> I have the trade somewhere. Ron, I really now like- you you have a counterpoint.
1: I have a counterpoint. Well, you don't necessarily think this was the pickup. Well, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like I really enjoy it. And don't get me wrong, I think that this is actually some of Cullen, Bunn, and Brian Hurt's best work. Like, this is like the work of their career and crime that it wasn't nominated for an Eisner. And I totally support all that. But I didn't really love this arc. I didn't really love New Orleans. I didn't love the trip that it took down here. I'm kind of curious about the longevity of the series because is it just basically, okay, we got to keep these guns from people?
2: You know, well, like you know, and solve that problem while they're being attacked by the
1: missiles. True, this is, yeah. To be, to be fair. This is not exactly your kind of thing. No, I mean, no, I don't. Always, and always I've been anyway. Yeah, and I've been, I've been enjoying it, and I'll and I'll continue to read it because I do. I think the art is great, and I, and the 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 fact that the guns were hidden in Bill John was awesome, um, and all that stuff. But like, I just like it, this this particular arc. I wavered a little uh, on some, on some issues, and then with this last issue, you know, yes, it was good. It was a the, the end of the the end of the story and big fat, big battle and kind of culminated. But compared to some of the other books I read this week, which and we were discussing before the show, and you guys weren't that too enthused this week, but I had a great stack stack of books and and you may have read yeah. books I didn't. Eat. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, for exactly. There, there, <laughs> there
0: was a couple of really great ones. I, I dropped off this for trades because I oh really around the end of the first arc, I started to lose the thread every month. Yeah, it, yeah. All in a chunk. Well, I mean, look. Look at the example there, where,
1: where you you you're talking about how stunning and great the shot of the coffin is, but you don't know who's in the coffin. I just I don't remember anything. Right. I mean, that's, well, yeah, well, but that that says something about the book. I mean, that says no, something. That's, that's, yeah. No, that's
2: everything about me. I have a yeah.
1: baby. I don't remember anything. Really. Well, that I that that's scu- that happened. excuse is getting old. No, no, literally,
2: <laughs> since since that's all, like, I can't. My my memory's shot. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. Like, I remember. I don't remember names for anything. But like, I know. I don't remember people's names. But like, I I knew where we were. I knew what yeah. was happening. As soon as I started, I was like, I remember where we left off. That's not at all a problem for me. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's indicative. Yeah.
0: Um but, but yeah, I don't think it is either that's just I think most books for me that aren't the regular superhero action stuff I tend to want to read and trade anyway. So right. it wasn't an indictment of a book. I just dropped off of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and me by saying
1: I don't think it was the pick of the week was purely because I think we re- read different books and there was some stuff that I think you know that was that was slightly better that I read that I would have enjoyed. If it was my pick, but that's why we're here. That's the difference. Differences make the world go round. I do I'll I, I, with knives. I do like the yeah. I do like the creepy green ghost children though. That was uh, I yeah. Like the, nice. the, it was a nice. It just like it
2: felt like the end of a story. It was sort of all the places all the pieces were in place. And and like I just like how sort of effectively this little world has been being built, and every time we get to the end of something, there's more in front of us, but at the same time, like you you feel like you've you've you know come to a bit of a conclusion, and then you can go to the next step with more and if you read you know if you go back and read the damned that they did before. Perfectly great book. I really liked it, but this is stronger than that. It's, yeah. it just oh, shows a, yeah. a, a more mature storyteller, and I can see that, and that is impressive to me as well. So like, all of those things coming together, and uh, you know, it just made I, I really appreciate it. I guess. Um, yeah. And so uh, for me this week, that was that was the one that the one that I I, I was most tickled by. There were other books that were great. Uh, the the next thing I, now I always forget. No, Ron, you do read Invincible. Yep, in and issues. Correct. Okay. And then Connor, you're in trades, which is yep. this is where we just ruin the book for you all the time. Eh, whatever. I don't remember anything. Lately, <laughs> lately though, uh, so this she's still is fat. Is that
0: what's,
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. and I've got a point about yeah. that actually too. But yeah, so well, uh, okay, here uh, here there's we did the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I'm not trying to decide whether I want to talk about it or not. Oh
1: boy! Oh, uh, what you, you're talking about the uh, you revealed it in the panels post. Did I? Uh, no, I did. You're talking about immortal. No, no, oh, okay. no, I'm
2: talking about the thing that happened at the end of the issue. Oh, okay, it's
1: fat. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we shouldn't. We, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for Connor. Yeah, if you yeah, read her. it, you know exactly yeah. what it was. And I was like, wow. Kirkman. Well, no, some, yeah, something happened to Eve while Mark, while Invincible was gone for the ten months, and that gave her a lot of emotional stress, and that's and part of the reason that's why she's gained weight, and, and like it actually, if if you if you watched, if you watched um, the video uh, interview I did with Kirkman at, at WonderCon in between the insanity, um, you know, I I really like what he did about, with this, and that you know he he brought that kind of, and he get, he credited it to Larson and what he's done in Savage Dragon is that these are real people and real shit happens, and ten months went by, shit went down. And so she gained weight, and that's that's what happens. That's what happens into real life, and 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 this gives it the context where you can understand why she's in the state that she's in, and why you know you can t- you could tell there was something wrong. You could tell there was a um you know a, a weight on her shoulder, a weight quote unquote on her shoulders. Um, and I thought he did a great job of building up to it and then dropping that bomb at the end, and it was like, damn, yeah, shit yeah. got shit got real, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It, exactly. And and I gotta say, like. I don't ever know where this book is going. Yeah. And I really like that part about it. Like yeah. I, I couldn't have I would have that I would have said that would never happen in a million years. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I, I would not have expected that choice to be made. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, melodramatic or whether it's you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh but I like that the book has those two sides. And, yeah. like, you know, we just spent a year in space fighting, you know, and now we gotta deal with this like, you know, Nighttime drama kind of love yeah.
1: stuff I do gotta uh, say I do gotta say that I absolutely loved the opening scenes like there's the the second page is a full page splash of invincible um and then like the 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 next two pages of invincible kind of back in action and like they're, they, they're these six vertical panels, but then the second page you've got him flying in and like it, like the the art and the layout in this issue was really really strong um and then there were the little quirks like this is what we were talking about like they go um invincible and an Eve go visit a mortal and his wife and have dinner with them he's retired and that it was in the best panels where they they're showing the dinner conversation and and immortal going on about how he feels bad about John Wilkes Booth because it turns out immortal was Lincoln and 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 how no John Wilkes Booth didn't really kill him because he didn't die but they couldn't say anything and he feels bad for him and like That's
2: true. <laughs> <laughs> that manhunt was just a nightmare.
1: It was excruciating. That's what he said. Yeah. It was just like that was that made me laugh out loud. And like, I mean, if you know me,
2: like I've read books on this subject. I, yeah. you know, I just went to see the Like I was like, that was fantastic. But also, yeah. like overall, that page, yeah, was basically just the same shot four or five times, right. But, like, a different snatches of the conversation. I love those kind of slice-of-life pages and comics. Yeah,
1: and the, the thing is, and we'll get into this a little later on when we talk about Wolverine, um, but, like, the balance of this really serious or the action with a little bit of humor injected to it, it really gives, like, a well-rounded c- a comic book. My only criticism with this issue is that I don't think Otley's comfortable with draw- drawing Eve Fat because, like, it, 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 it w- changes wildly from panel to panel huh. the way she looks.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think I really noticed that. I think it's odd because it's a comic book, and comic books, you're so used to seeing things that are like exaggerated. It's hard to tell what's fat and what's just
1: exactly. Exactly. That's like if you look at if if, if you. I mean, like if you look at if you compare the two pages where she's talking to Invincible's mom and like that first panel, she the first panel with her and his mom look awful you know and like and then if you cut to if you jump to this the dinner scenes or the scenes when she's with the kids you know and and in the bath and stuff like that it just she she wildly sometimes he draws her really fast with like jowls but then sometimes she's kind of normal it just looks a little thicker and then like and like she like i i don't have i think he's still figuring out how to draw her in this state um which is you know which is a challenge which i you know Well those pages I, you know, are goners. Yeah yeah burn them burn them. <laughs> crazy motherfucker. Uh,
0: wow. <laughs> he started uh, a trend, too.
1: Did he really? Who else did it? A
0: bunch of other people on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? and Eddie
2: threw a bunch of them away, too. Oh, my God. I don't, yeah, I know. I get it. They have the... To- Listen. And
1: again, I love I loved Kirkman's response when we, when we talked about it. He's like, he has my FedEx number. Like, I don't know... <laughs>
2: Oh god! Listen, they have the choice. They can make that choice. It's a free country. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, painful. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Um. And on the other side of things, the stuff that was going on in that issue, Kirkman also released uh, Super Dinosaur number no. one with art by Jason Howard, who uh, did uh, Astounding Wolfman, Astonishing yeah. Wolfman. I always get it mixed up. Astounding. I think it's Astounding. Uh this is an all ages book about a, a genius boy uh, and his his dinosaur sidekick uh, and his armored weaponized vest.
1: <laughs> his arms yeah
2: I love it joysticks yeah oh. <laughs> I, this was this was a lot of it's an all-ages book so if you're looking for like all that deep stuff it, it's not really although there was like a turn for drama at the end
1: oh I, yeah well again it was very similar to invincible where it was like oh shit shit got real like it was you know like it wasn't it, it was not it what's great is that it's totally all ages and, and like reading this I felt like I was reading um one of the one of the men in action cartoons Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it totally had like a Generator Rex kind of feel, you know, like to it. Like a toy series pitch. Yeah, exactly. And I hope it goes that way because it's just yeah. like, and it was just like so much fun. And 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 I don't know if it's for me, but I could definitely see like it was great, and it like I had a blast. And then it gets to the end, and I was like, oh shit, he's not going to pander. Like he's this is going to be, you know, it's going to have that, you know, it's it's Alzheimer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically, basically the premise is that the, this kid, this kid is very, very smart, and he lives in this base, and and they have this dinosaur, and they've built the. This you know these these arms that the dinosaur wears and they go out and they fight things it, and it's, it's all predicated on the the genius of the kid's father right but ter- but however you get you get a sense of it where the, the father is, is is you know s- s- silver haired and they he shows him he's just like oh I can't focus kind of early on in the book and he's working on a big problem there's all this math and the kid sends the dad and says go to bed and then the, you see the kid look and correct the math and then gets does it right so you realize okay cool so the you know obviously the intelligence is passed down to the kid and the, the dad has lost a couple steps and then. You've got these people coming to review their performance, and at the end of it, you know you get the kid saying to the guy, saying, "Listen, please don't, you know, um, you know. I hope that we know we don't need to report my dad's condition." And the dad is, and the dad hears that and is like, "What condition?" And it gets really dramatic, and it's and the dad dealing with the fact that he's not as smart as he used to be, and then you get this horrible shot of the kid looking up. And, you know, it ends with him saying, you know, I- I'm awesome. I'm just not awesome enough to fix my dad. And it's just like, oh, man, it's like, yeah, so it's got it's got that weight. So even it's, you know, it's not pl- it's not just playing down to a kid's book and just having a rad dinosaur with robot arms and fights and stuff like that. It's having a level of drama and reality that they have to deal with. So
2: it's that mm-hmm. Peter Parker responsibility thing. Yeah, that sort of guilty conscious. Thing. The other thing that I do want to mention about this is that uh, this is actually a bit of a different Slightly different artistic style from from Howard, yeah, uh, and, it, and I really liked it. I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is actually really strong." Yeah, I, I thought it was really clean. It was nice. If you, uh, I think there were some people who weren't into that Wolfman style for whatever reason. I, I, totally, it was like that dynamic, big sort of line drawn, I guess, cartoony style. But yeah. this is just a little different from that, and I was like, "Wow, that's a that's a really nice sort of step forward." I thought. Yeah. So. And uh, it fit. Good stuff. And I'm guessing that the book that you. Based on what everybody else had been, the, the was saying, "Uncanny X Force number eight was pretty good." Uh, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. This well. is oh, oh no, oh god! This, this I, well, what I was gonna say about this book was that is that for some I don't know what deal with Satan. Remender has made or what Marvel's done, but there's something about this title in this book that is making it not only not do any wrong, but fucking tap into the awesomeness of what was X books and the 90s and the 80s. And like even, I mean, Billy Tan did the art. And that
0: was the problem. See,
1: I, I didn't think it was. I honestly didn't think it was a problem. I thought it was. I actually thought it was. I thought it's. It stayed within the color palette. It stayed with white colored it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It. Let's all, keep in mind that that the tan we don't like is not this one. it's the
0: other one? No, both that's, tans I don't like. But well, yeah, I know. The, uh, the, the, the
1: this wasn't the Batman and Robin tan.
0: No, that's Philip tan. Yeah. Uncanny X Force and Uncanny X Men and Wolverine. And, it's a really good time to be reading X books. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Wolverine in a second, but. Story-wise, Uncanny was great. The difference in this issue was between Guillermo Pena and, and Ribic. Uh, it's not Ribic, I think you see his name. Yeah. yeah. You can really, the difference is glaring between them and Billy Tan. Those are super dynamic, super high-energy artists, and everything Billy Tan draws is super stiff. Even with the coloring, it was just very boringly laid out and very boring to look at. Um, which was a problem for me. It took away a little bit, little bit from the issue, which was otherwise great well, well, but, that, but and, that, and that's the thing, is that I don't disagree with that, but I, f- I feel
1: as if this is the best thing from Billy Tan I've ever seen. In that, I in that a lot
0: of that has to do with, with Dean White's color. Oh, oh
1: I, think, I, I, think, I think the importance of the coloring, and, and is, somebody, is someone inking him or no? Um, yeah, no, so it's just it's, it, it, Tan's inking himself or they're coloring it over his pencils. But um, yeah, I mean, it shows how important that palette is. It shows stuff like that. But Tan has... T- Tapped into what Ribic and Opeña was doing, and I think brought up his game to try to stylistically match what they were doing. And it, like I had, I did, I did a double take because I didn't believe that it was him. I was like, whoa, you know, like. And but I do agree with you in, in that it's not as like, oh god, I want Opeña more than more than him. But um, but then also I'll I'll freely admit that I'm you know you give me Psylocke in the Astroplane armor that we haven't seen since fucking Jim Lee nineteen eighty eight or nineteen eighty nine or whatever, and I'm completely you know g- giggling, you know, like He's give me the tickling your Richard funny bone yeah like give me the give me the shadow king who, who I think is an underused villain um, and like th- this issue was like so much fun from an X standpoint in terms of tapping into uh, you know stuff that's been around that's never not really been dealt with and it's not like he's picking up dead plot lines but he's picking up stuff that has been done before and saying you know this wasn't bad and and here it is it just it's a part of it and then moving his story along I just love the direction it's going in and this was such a this is such a great issue um,
0: I fuck on the team now uh,
1: kind of, I don't know. I think they're they're working with him. I don't think he's on the team. I don't know. Um,
0: uh, great. No, the story is great, and then at the end you have a great ending where uh, Archangel basically murders someone. Yeah. Um, when he's alone, and so everyone shows up after he's dead. He's like, oh, it must have been a life or death situation, right? And he just sort of walks away. So yeah. Now you've got I, a serious issue now with Archangel, where the darks—I guess the darkness is taking over. I mean, the, the well, yeah, the, the ar- yeah the
1: uh, apocalypse. Are, and what was really interesting was that so you had you know you had the um, you know ba- basically they're they're investigating and they uncover the Shadow King, who is a you know very strong telepath, and you know and on the astral plane he's having a couple of bouts with um, with Psylocke, and that's why she's in that in her astral plane armor, um, and they're fighting and and great little cameo in her psyche of her brothers with Captain Britain and Jamie Braddock, which is always cool. Um but then he Yeah, but then some some other Shadow King goes into Angel's head and finds the Archangel part, the Apocalypse part of him that she has like put into a uh, into a you know into a cage, into a mental cage. And what I thought was really interesting, which was a nice subtle in the art. Did you notice in those scenes in the astral plane, of Archangel had the little tubes with his arms, kind of like the Apocalypse esque, like he's kind of looking more like Apocalypse and less the like Archangel, which was a nice touch, you know, which is really
0: armor, the Apocalypse armor on.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so like you had a scene early in the issue where she's working with um um Arch- she's working with Archangel or. Angel, Angel in like a, a astral therapy kind of session where she finds the archangel part of his persona and locks him up and kind of you know locks him down and the shadow king unleashes him and that's what happens at the end of the issue again a lot of stuff happening in one issue really tight really like the storytelling and it, like it is exactly what needs to be done. Um, there's nothing superfluous and just like everything works towards the story to move it forward and you still get the little bit of Deadpool hu- humor and Deadpool and Wolverine kind of banter and a little bit of Phantom X and you know like it just it is something something really special is going on with this title and if people aren't reading it it's just like oh it's so good you know.
0: Well to me to me the far and away Pick of the League was Wolverine number eight.
1: Absolutely and I agree that's what I agree with. Absolutely.
0: Which which, jo- Jason Aaron is Between this and the last Wolverine book he wrote, is ridiculously suited for writing Wolverine. Yeah, it is. This might be the best Wolverine series I've ever read.
1: I was gonna say this, and it's really funny because how we kind of I groaned a little bit at Wolverine in Hell, and then we groaned with you know Wolverine gets taken over again. Like I had some conversation in the comic store, like how many you know why does everybody always tell the Wolverine gets taken over and fights the X Men you know kind of story? But like Aaron refers to that. Yep. like where they're like how many times is this going to happen you know like and and like that, so he's aware of it and like that so acknowledging it head on is awesome and then th- again that balance of like there's a lot of action a there's a lot of humor. Well, I was gonna say there's a lot of action and there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of like emotion in it but mixed in with this humor specifically like so you've got all the women in his life you've got you, you know you've got uh, uh, Kitty Pride and Jubilee and um, is Psylocke there Rogue there I forget who, who the women are Rogue is but there. Rogue is there Emma Frost is there they're all inside Wolverine's head trying to fight whatever demons inside while you've got Phantom X and Dr. Nemesis and Storm and Cyclops trying to take Wolverine down on the outside and inside Wolverine's head you've got all these doors Doors that are marked, and inside those doors, they uncover something. And the doors are marked like hopes and dreams, you know, reasons to hate myself, X Men I've had sex with, how I cheat at cards, and like, and you, and you've got the point of view of these women, and like, so like Rogue looks into the how I cheated cards, and she just goes, I knew it. Like, like <laughs> and then like Jubilee goes into this, uh, the X Men I've had sex with room and says, you know, that okay, that's definitely not what the danger room was meant for.
0: And like, it's I mean, just a sexual like, fantasy room with yeah. all the X Men are in there. Like, it's yeah. just, it was very funny. In the midst of the really – and then, then the emotional gut punch is yeah. when the, uh, the, um, the, the Jean Grey of his brain shows up. Yeah. Which made me really miss Jean Grey and decided oh. it's time to bring her back.
1: And, and not only miss Jean Grey but miss the Jean-Cyclops-Wolverine dynamic.
0: Like, I mean, we, I don't even need the love triangle, but just the fact that she was she she she's so important
1: to the whole team. Oh, she totally is. Yeah, yeah, she's heart and and like the end. But the thing the thing was is that you had that moment where you know with him, which I thought was great. So he's in his head and he's talking to he's talking to Jean and saying you know how you know how much he misses her and all that sort of stuff and. You know, and then, and she's telling him he's got to let go and he's got to let go of his anger and his revenge and all this sort of stuff. And outside in the real world, he just, you know, Cyclops is about to kill him and he mutters Gene, and that makes Cyclops pause, you know, and like it just, like the the weight. And I honestly think I wouldn't be surprised if this is laying the groundwork to bring her back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not in the plans in like the next two years, you know, because you you don't play, you know, you don't play around with this imagery that much or that without having a reason. They're going to go back to, oh, do you remember that issue? That sort of thing. But, um.
0: Theme the week of the entire week of comics was afterwards. He's back and and Cyclops shows up with a six pack and he wants to talk about Jean because he obviously yeah. saw her. Yeah, and, and then you can just see the pleading. In, I mean, even though that Cyclops has been with Emma now for what like eight years. Yeah, he's just like, uh, did you see Jean? And there's the great look from a Akuna a uh, on Cyclops's face, and Wolverine just sort of walks away. Yeah, uh, really emotionally impact. Plus the Nightcrawler stuff. I mean, this was a perfectly balanced, just like the Punisher one we talked about last week. Yep. Uh, Jason Aaron's firing, and also amazing.
1: yeah, this was this was easily my pick of the week. This might have been one of the best arcs of Wolverine and best issues of Wolverine I've read in a in a long, long time. Um, it was just great. It was great. So uh, yeah, totally would have been my pick of the week. Are you right? I don't even love Acuna either. You know like you know some of the complaints you had about Tan I'm not saying that I love Tan but like I don't love Akuna but even this I thought he I mean he, he rose rose to the challenge and came out really good. I loved I loved on the outside with Phant- Phantom X and Doctor Nemesis were awesome. Yeah, they were good. Were like really, really funny. I mean, you got both two very somewhat sarcastic, somewhat very upfront, very kind of you know like honest kind of characters, kind of fringe X characters, you know. And you've got you know Doctor Nemesis with a gun, a disease gun that's basically shooting, you know, shooting the plague and mouth cancer and all this stuff because they're just trying to you know wear down his uh, healing factor. Uh, it was just really, really clever and really uh, just really smart. And what I loved is that they're they're you know they they're just pummeling him like Phantom X is shooting bullets at him. Uh, Dr. Nemesis is shooting the diseases at him, and then the demon possessed Wolverine spits out <laughs> fire, and you just have the Phantom X going. Let's never do this again. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, it's really good.
1: Yeah, it's really, good. really, really good.
0: The X universe is a really strong place right now. Yeah, at least between those three or four books.
1: Oh yeah, no. You, I mean, you, it looks like the core now is is Uncanny X Men, Uncanny X Force, and Wolverine. With those three, you're, you yep. will not go wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I
2: was, was enthusiastic. I yeah. forgot great. what the, it was the issue was. Yeah. Uh, did you know that iFanboy is part of the digital comics company graphically? What? It is. I, oh. I know you're like, oh, that would explain. That's what those what, meetings are every week. The meetings. Uh, oh. We have over 3,000 comics. That's growing even more. There's a, there's a truckload of them coming in addition to that. Uh, ready to download and read. Uh, publishers like Marvel, Arkea, Boom, Top Cow, Archie. I can keep going because there are a lot of publishers. Uh, over like
1: 150 publishers. It's ridiculous. Yes, Lots of comics. Something absurd. Something like, for everyone.
2: Definite, definitely. Right. I, I, and, and speaking of which, you can read them on your iPhone, your iPad, your Android phone, your desktop, on the web. Uh, I feel like there are more options, but that might be all. And either way, you're, you're pretty much covered for all sorts of different ways to uh, read that stuff. Um, And there are lots of cool things coming from Graphically this year. I know that there are some uh, commentaries that I did recently that are going to be on some books uh, very very soon uh, and other cool things and uh, all sorts of fun books – I think that I've covered all the things that there is to say about it. But yeah, uh, we like,
1: we got a lot of cool stuff going on. In fact, our 3,000th book uh, came out and was The Darkness, number 84, which you can get for 50% off. Um, we got some cool stuff. Uh, there's an Archaea book called Bleed Out, which is a great graphic novel with a ton of great um, uh, creators that ties into a, multi- uh, a massively multiplayer online game that you can check out. And then if you sign up for the game, you'll be able to get the book uh, at half price. Um, so we're going to be uh, finding, you know, if you go to graph, if you go to check out Graphly on Twitter, twitter.com slash Graphly, you can see all these kind of updates. A lot of stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks in terms of um, cool ways to get to discover new books, um, mm-hmm. including Marcosia. There's still a couple of days left on that promotion, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. be able to do that
2: uh, through the through the rest of April. Any book you buy will give you make you eligible to read all the 100 and I think 30 140 books that uh, Marcosia has on there. All sorts of really good stuff all across the
0: line. So buy one, get 139 for free, possibly,
1: possibly,
2: yeah, possibly. And yep. uh, it, it's just like every kind of genre, every kind of book you want from the sort of uh grassroots indie book to you know marvel stuff it, it's sort of all in there and you can sort of get yourself on a little run where you're like oh i've been meaning to read this and just tear through all of uh ron mars's uh witchblade or something like that great yeah. books you know just just tons of stuff all over the place so it really behooves you to go in there and read it and you get to read it the way that you want to whatever your preferred ingestion device is uh so get over to graphically.com. you'll get all the information and links to
1: download whatever app you want and things it, like you make it sound so dirty ingestion device
0: yeah
1: Yeah. i like that it sounds technical sounds like you're doing something (laughs) you know you
0: know what you know what books are on there Mm. the infinity gauntlet yes yes
1: yes Yes, which you've never read you yes
0: because avengers number 12 brought back the infinity gauntlet
1: it was awesome um I, i do have a i do have a complaint about this well we'll get to it on a little later but i loved this story arc so much I don't know what it is about the Infinity Gems and the Infinity Gauntlet, but this okay this this was okay. Here's a moment. Here's a moment in the comic book store. Um, I'm standing at the counter in my comic book store, not the one I own. The one I shop at because I don't own any. You don't go on the one you own. Uh, I know. Yeah, I don't. I, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's in another state. It's hard to no. But um, and so I, I was go flipping through my books and I was talking to the store owner and then he had to help a customer. So I was flipping through and I wasn't reading it, but I was just kind of flipping through the pages and I got to the part where the Red Hulk is being dragged by uh the Hood through. Uh, the Hood has uh, the Reality Gem and the Red Hulk has the Power Gem, and and the Red Hulk. Pummeled, uh, the, the Hood in the face, and his face got all disfigured for the rest of the issue, which I thought was awesome. But so then uh, the, the Hood starts going through multiple realities looking for a reality that the Red Hulk doesn't exist in. And what you've got is you've got this great John Romita Jr. art that's layered on top of the multiverse art by the artist who did it. So they cross over into the Marvel Zombies world, and it's Sean Phillips' art behind them. And then they cross over into – I don't know which one that is. But they cross over into – over House M, and it's uh, Copiel art. Uh, they cross over uh, the Squadron Supreme world, and it's that old Squadron Supreme kind of art. They cross over to the Ultimates, and you see Brian Hitch Ultimates art. You know, and like, and then, um, finally you see behind them, like, uh, Age of Apocalypse kind of exiles kind of art, and it's in that style. And it was just like, and that made my jaw drop as a Marvel fan. I was like, oh, multi unit, multiverses. I love it. It was just great. It was, oh, it was so much fun. Um, and it ultimately ends with, uh, with Tony donning the Iron Gauntlet. He, the, Grabs all the gems and gets a uh, infinity gauntlet on his arm, which is, uh, and then uh, you know fools everybody into thinking that he uh, wishes the gems out of existence. But turns out he just hid them again. And the Illuminati uh, gets back together and decides they need to hide him. But this time they've got Steve Rogers in their uh, in their mist.
0: in place of Black Bolt.
1: Yep, exactly. And he and he, oh. he agrees and he agrees with Tony that yes, they you know he understands and that they need to find a better place to hide it. Now here's my nitpick. Yep. Is that and this is and this is timely because I just heard Bendis on the um, on uh, Word Balloon on Bendis tapes, and somebody asked how much you know writing the Avengers and other characters in the books, how far ahead are you, whatever? And he said how he actually doesn't keep that far ahead on Avengers. He only keeps like two or three issues ahead because he doesn't want to you know deal with what's going on in the other books. He doesn't want to go too out of the way and run into conflicts or anything like that. Now that said. And I understand you you got to write it so that every book can be read by themselves, but there's a scene at the end of the book when Steve basically asks the Red Hulk to join the Avengers, and you get the sense that Steve has never talked to the Red Hulk before, when for the past eight months, the Red Hulk's been working for Steve Rogers in the Hulk book. And he, and uh, Bendis I li- the, I and I have sense Bendis lives in the same town as Jeff Parker. I don't understand why they just can't discuss this. But the way he talked about it, in the way he was talking to him, it felt to me as if they didn't, they, they had never like like I was like, doesn't what about the stuff that's going on in Hulk where he's working for Steve Rogers? You know, like so. I think I think you're gonna get an email. I'm sure. I'm sure I will. I don't care. I, I, I didn't get that sense yeah. at all. Yeah, I did. I mean, that was my that was my only nitpick about it was that it didn't it didn't as the as the reader of the Marvel universe and understand you know I understand continuity is tough and whatever that would have been a nice place to at least refer to it or some way you know I don't know like you know based off the stuff you did for me with these missions and what you've done here I see you should be an Avenger that sort of thing you know so but I
2: don't know. like I said it was a nitpick so Minor. but. He asked her a resume. He was like, "Can I see
1: this yeah, oh, and you are oh, and you are but yeah, but avengers uh, Avengers twelve was great, but um hulk thirty two uh was just was beautiful and it was and and any time you have Hulk uh slapping a uh, tornado in half wins yeah. as far as I'm concerned, talking about does. yeah but
2: well, here's the thing when you're talking about halves uh I would that part.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't so much care about the supervillain. I, I totally agree with you. It got really wordy in the beginning, and I was just like, I don't know if I care about this. Yeah, but
2: then so. it was, but like, like the story of Hulk on the run from this guy who has him dead to rights, and he yeah. falls asleep, and his brain starts to explode, and then he saves a bunch of people from a tornado. Yep, but that's all great. The zero one stuff, it's fine. It's not. Yeah. Bad. I just don't care.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, have the same, I have the same feeling. Yeah.
2: Uh, but you know, it looked looks great. The the you know, it's fun stuff. There could be some fighting coming up that might be fun. Yeah. But it, was, it just took a little extra effort to get there. Yeah, I think.
0: yeah. I think yeah, you're right. I think similarly, Dark Horse Presents number one was awesome. Yeah. Uh, across the board, almost the art was fantastic. The stories hit and miss because that's an anthology. Will happen. Every story won't be won't be greater for you. But I was a big fan of Dark Horse Presents back when it was originally out. Oh, totally. That's how I found a lot of these create these creators and these titles. And so I'm glad it's back. Hopefully it succeeds. It's a big 80-page anthology 799 twice a month every other month. Um, good stuff in here. Did, did you guys?
1: Oh yeah, no, I mean, talk about talk about getting comics for your money. I mean, for seven seven ninety nine is a high price is a high price point, but you know, a, a nice. I mean, it's a nice, perfect bound, so it's got that square kind of spine. Um, you know, glossy cover, thick paper. Um, and if you look at the names that are involved in it, I mean, like we get we finally get a brand new concrete story, which is you know that for good. Yeah, for people who don't know about con- yeah, Paul Chadwick concrete, it's it's uh, so good. You know, it, you get good shaking. Um, it, in my mind you got, you got great Neil Adams. the <laughs>
0: um, story was story
1: was uh, oh, it was out there but yeah. um you get you know you get a sneak peek at at the new 300 uh, story from Frank Miller which yeah, yeah so uh, that happened. Um you know and then you get some other great great which is and it's a little it's a little bit of everything for everybody.
0: Beautiful Richard Corbin story. Yep. Didn't so much love the Star Wars story, but the Snow Angel was good. Just everything in that. I love the personality quiz at the yep. end. I laughed heartily yep. at that one. Yeah, um, Finder. You got a fi- a, f- a color Finder
1: story, I which is this. great. I've yeah, I've
0: read Finder before, and I love
1: yeah. that. Yeah, Finder's great. Finder fi- was yeah. that was really good. Yeah, yeah no, Finder yeah. is good. Yeah. So I mean, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't recommend this anymore. If you have, if you didn't, if you want good comics, you should get Dark Horse Presents. So. I love that. there's nothing like this really going on no so. there's not yeah Marvel tried to bring
0: up Marvel Comics Presents and it didn't just you know, oh, don't seem to do well uh, Zatanna 12 was notable for a couple of reasons one it was really good it was a fill-in from Matthew Sturgis who I think is well suited for this, this subject matter sort of the superhero magician type um, but for two reasons one Ron it's a celebration of San Francisco oh really yeah at one point, she goes to a taqueria, and I suddenly became very hungry. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Talking about how great the taquerias are in San Francisco. Oh, so good. Oh, I'm so hungry. Uh, but the other reason I want to mention it is because it was, a, it was an aspect of it from Satan I've never seen dealt with before, which was that she, have, she was studying with flashcards how to say words backwards. Clever. Because, hmm. so, and somebody asked her, but she says, well, I don't just automatically know how to say these words backwards.
1: That's I awesome. Learn them.
0: I don't know every word automatically backwards, so I have to expand my vocabulary. So that was a very interesting sort of ta- uh, you know, aspect of the character I'd never thought about before. She, she was in her dressing room doing flashcards. cards.
1: That's really cool.
0: And I was like, ooh, that's very, very clever. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that just, I mean, Amanda Conner cover, great, good, you know, very fun sort of one-and-done story while they wait for Paul need to uh, submit some more scripts. But um, <laughs> but I, I just, I loved that little, you know, when you sort of, you find a new piece of the character you have never thought of before, but it makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, it was very clever. Good yeah. job by Matthew Sturgis. Cool.
1: Awesome. So those are the books that came out this week that uh, we enjoyed. Um, and if you go to iFamboy.com slash comics, you can uh, do your pull list and you can come back and rate and review your books and, and interact with the community and all stuff like that. Um, but we've been we asked last week whether you liked the, the, the recapping of the top five uh pickly present. I was surprised how many people said they liked it, so we'll stick with it. So um, which is really cool. So Josh, this is your week. Why don't you recap the picks yeah. of the week?
2: I will. The fifth it is at the time of recording. Uh, The fifth most popular book was Uncanny X-Force, number eight, with a 5.8%. Number four was Avengers, number 12, with a 7.1%. These are all Rons. Uh, (laughs) Number three was Green Lantern, number 65, at 8.5%. After that, number two, Sixth Gun, number 11, with 21.3%, which is pretty good and probably not indicative of the industry overall, but I'll take it. (laughs) And number one was Invincible, number 79, uh, with 22%. And so, uh, ag-
1: and again the entire iFanboy community and Josh blew it cuz Wolverine didn't make the top 5 but
0: hey yeah so that's you can you can be involved with that by going to ifamweb slash comics. Make your pull list, and you can then there's a little button on your page to make your pick of the week, and that's yeah. how you can make your voice heard. And it's interesting to see. It's always interesting to look at the percentages every week. To yeah, see. totally oh, yeah, I love doing that. It's awesome. And I it's like
2: the uh, the weird spikes at the beginning of Wednesday.
1: Yeah, as everyone runs to go rate them and stuff like that. It's really good. And and, uh, and for those of you who are doing your ratings and your reviews, creator like I know several creators who who are watching as well. Like they're checking to see what everybody else liked and they're checking to read the reviews and stuff like that. So it's always fun. So they're
0: they're also competitive.
1: Yeah, they're very competitive. But um so and speaking of that, you can not only can you rate your rate your books, but you can also write a review and we've got a couple of reviews we want to share with you here. And the first one comes from Hakider who reviewed uh, Green Lantern number 65 and he gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5 and Green Lantern as we said was the top three, the, the number 3 on the top 5 pick of the weeks so with 8.5% and Hakider says that the story was passable and featured some great character moments other than a moment where four human lanterns chose other color rings featuring Hal telling everyone to choose their color then demanding John take a different color cuz clearly Hal knows better awkward. <laughs> Green Lantern mostly feels like like a, a rote by the numbers exercise of the moment but the banter between Hal and Guy remains entertaining. The art was the best part of this comic honestly. I like Doug Monkey's work and that hasn't changed though the purple bandana on John's compassion outfit is a bit ill-advised. All Altog- <laughs> together, this is a fun read with a few questionable story choices. I'll stick around for the end of the war of the Green Lanterns but I'm honestly not sure how much longer I'll be picking this up. And I gotta agree with them. that was a weird scene. Did you read uh, Connor are you, are you no, gone? Or- I, I was uh, so, so basically what's happened is that is that all of like so the team of the Lantern Corps that Hal teamed up with you know like um, uh, what's his name Red Lantern dude um, Atrocitus Atrocitus and Carol Ferris and all and Sinestro they all got sucked into the big book of Oa the big black book and so now Hal and Guy Gardner can't use their green rings because it's been uh, it's the, the lantern's been tainted with the impurity and so Hal finds a spaceship that he that he had hidden and they go to Oa and they meet up with Kyle and Jon Stewart who also aren't using their rings and so they're powerless but then Hal goes but I've got all the rings of the people that i was working with so we can use them and they're like well it's a risk we're taking our chances like yeah but it will work you know like we can use our will and it will work for it so everyone pick your ring and so guy's like fine i've used the red ring before i'll use that and how goes okay well i've got experience with the yellow i'll use that and, and kyle's like all right well i guess i'll take him you know i'll take hope and then john goes for orange and i was like whoa you don't want you do you don't want none of this. Like it was like it was like totally out of that uh, walk hard with <laughs> Tim Roth with Tim Meadows. You know? <laughs> wait, wait. Did
2: you just cast yes. Tim Meadows as John Stewart? No, as Hal, 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 Hal Jordan. Jordan. Hal Jordan, which would be awesome. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that.
1: And movie. so and so Hal's like, "Whoa, you don't want any of this. It's not you. Here, take this." And and John's like, "Compassion," and he's like, "You've always had that." And he's like, "Okay." And so and so now the, those right. Green Lanterns now have donned the the rings of those other lanterns, and so. So it just yeah it's, it's just like <laughs> you don't want any of this.
0: <laughs> you don't. <though. laughs> you don't.
1: Tim Meadows so is the funniest part of that movie. He really Tim Meadows stole that movie. Yeah, that Tim was great.
0: Is the funniest part of anything he's in. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what
2: I was gonna say. That's always a true
1: statement. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's Green Lantern, and yeah, I mean the 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 abandonment of Green Lantern seems to continue. Everyone I talk to is bailing. So that's
0: so weird. Yeah. Uh. Terror next. I got. I got it. it. Terra Flame Tree, Thunderbolts. Maybe I don't got it. Flame Tree reviewed ah. Thunderbolts 156 and gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And 1.9% of the fan base made it their pick of the week, which was not enough for the top 5. Oh, sadly. Duraflame Tree says, Satana's intro to the team is hilarious and puts her teammates on edge. The interviews for the second team of Thunderbolts had some great character interactions, with my favorite being the bonding between Shocker and Mach 5, and the disappointment in C- C- Calvin Zabo's face when he realizes they don't want him. They just want Mister Hyde. This is a ga- the gathering the team issue and is a fun one. Kev Walker does an excellent job of giving all the characters unique faces, and it helps since there are a lot in this issue. The cover is a nice take on the classic. Who'll be the next to win the team image? All in all, a great issue. It's not wrong. It was good. It, yeah, I enjoyed it. I totally. But listened. I
2: think there was there was two different things going on, so it didn't like have the the feeling of like a like a. Like you want to throw your fist up an in in air, and you're like, that was great.
0: It was an in between yeah. issue. It was good, but it was, it was very totally
2: funny. entertaining. And I, I like, I don't know, Satana, and it was kind of like, well, this is a weird thing to put in there. And I think that's something that that Jeff Parker is really good at. It's just take some odd, odd character that people don't use and throw them in there and, and do something with it. Um, and then all you know, all that interviewing stuff was fun. Like this got kind of
0: Hellboyish in the middle.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like yeah. when the, the first shot of the castle, like, oh, that looks very much Magnolia. Yeah. Hellboy. And then you open up and there's like what zombie Nazis or whatever. <laughs> Actually.
2: Yeah, well, they were like uh, pre-Nazis. Hessians, they were yeah, like uh, German um,
0: World War I. Yeah.
2: One thing I noticed is that, is that Kev Walker actually draws noses just a little bit like uh, like Jeff Lemire does. I actually saw yeah, it a couple of times. Wide noses, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I've never seen anybody do that. But there's definitely there's a connection there that I, that I noticed.
0: Yeah. <clears throat>
1: People
0: get punched in the face a lot in the Marvel Universe. So.
1: They do, they do, they do. So, um, yeah, so uh, those are some of the reviews that were up there. So go to ifanboy.com comics and do your pull list and rate and review them. And the community grows, and we love to see more voices get in there. So uh, very cool. Now so, yeah, let, us, let us talk about the book of the month. We made it. We it, slid in to the base. It, as it were. might be a good time for Josh to uh, – Josh, you might want to take a breather. You might want to take uh, a no, break.
2: I, yeah. I, I have
1: – no. Because
2: <laughs> I don't like sports. But I love sports, movies, and stories.
1: Well, okay, well, so let me—I mean, so let me—I had the book. I had the book of the month. Um, what should we call it? Um, uh, duties this month, and I apologize. It was a couple of weeks late. This seems to have been a a, a pattern these past couple of months so with the cons. It got crazy, but I also was wrestling with trying to find it, the right book for it. And you know, and uh, quite often, you know, we we said we we said when we first started doing the New book a the month, there are no rules. It can be a older book. It can be you know, but we kind of lean towards newer releases and, and this sort of thing. And so I always try to I look at what's coming out and what do I want to try. And I picked up a couple of books I was considering, um, but then uh, actually Chris Niesman did a uh, don't miss podcast with uh, the creator Wilfred Santos Tiago about a book called Twenty One, the story of Roberto Clemente that Fantagraphics is putting out, and it's, it comes as no surprise or no shock that myself, Connor. Chris Niesman, Tom Caters, we're all we're all baseball fans, um, you know, in our own rights. And and actually, I was listening. What podcast was I listening to? Uh, I think I was listening to Around Comics. The, their, they, they remembered to do an episode, and um, <laughs> and uh, they were talking. And they were they were it's actually Tim Seeley was on. T- Tim Seely was on, and they were talking of Hackslash Fame and they're talking about how there's really little to no difference between baseball nerds and comic nerds. Like, it's there's a and so it's not a surprise that so many of us are into baseball and that sort of stuff because there's a lot of you know, it's your your people in uniform and, and who do you root for and who there's do you ally? Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. This continuity. And what also, what also I think is great, they get upset about ridiculous things. What, what I also, Listen,
0: it's not ridiculous.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: they leave a picture in too long. Jay Buter, but
1: uh, um, what did you try, Jay Buhner? But, um, but the, the, but also the thing about what I think baseball is that it's common with, with comics is that it has legendary figures and and tales and stories that that really become passed down through the generations. Um, stories that become legend. Exactly. And in, ba- in baseball, just happens to be that there are real people as opposed to the you know the the, the, f- the fictitious people of comic books. Um, but so I, so I was like, oh, I should check, take a look at that book. And I so I picked it up and I read it and. First off, I fell in love with it. Wilfred Santiago did a great job of – basically, it's a biography of the Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder Roberto Clemente, who if you don't know who he was, he was uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico. He came up in the major leagues in the late 50s, early 60s after the color barrier was broken, um, and he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he was Phenomenal. I mean I mean like of of when you th- when you talk about the greatest players of all time he the dude could hit like nobody's business, and could field. Like he was just well-rounded. A
0: rocket for an arm. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was. I mean, we we talk now in baseball like five-tool player and stuff like that. He was fast. He could hit. He could field. He could throw. It was just. It was amazing. And um, unfortunately, it's, it's a tragic story because he his life was ended far too short. And actually, after the 1972 season, in the last game of the season against the New York Mets, he got his 300th hit. Uh, 3, 000th, I'm 3,000 hit, which is a huge milestone to make for any ball player. And then the season ended, and there was a horrible earthquake in Nicaragua, and uh, Clemente was very involved in humanitarian efforts, especially in around, uh, in around uh, Central America. And New Year's Eve, he himself chartered a plane and was hand-delivering supplies to Nicaragua, and the plane went down. And he died. Never to be, never to be found. Again. Yeah, never. They never recovered his body. You know. When
2: when will Sean Penn take a lesson from this?
0: <laughs> but um. Yes. But this, I mean, the th- when you're telling this whole story, it's not. This book is not just a baseball story. I, yeah, I baseball is half of the book, at right. the most. The first half is his growing up in Puerto Rico. That's yeah, well that. Interesting story. Well, then well, the last half is just like his family stuff.
1: Yeah, well that's what that's what I'm getting to is that so that and I mentioned this in my review when I read this book it reminded me when I was a kid I used to sit down there were so many books about baseball and baseball players and their stories and their lives and I can't tell you how many books I read from like 1980. Four through like 1990, where I just I just absorbed as much as I could, and as I got older, the books got more complex. So when I was younger, they were very simple, and it was like you know you know and it, it you know and it was like you know Joe DiMaggio practiced really hard, and then he became the greatest ballplayer he could, all the way up to the com- complex issues of like the the Black Sox scandal and things like that. So I read them all, but what I found interesting, the ones that I remember the most and the ones that I loved the most were the ones that were about the ballplayers, the people. Like I read about Lou Gehrig and the person that Lou Gehrig was and how he was. Um, elegant and 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 uh, noble and didn't you know did, you know sh- didn't you know want the spotlight as much as Babe Ruth you know he was in the shadow of Babe Ruth and all that sort of stuff and then him getting sick and dealing with that and people you know like and, and admittedly you know sometimes as kids you know they they glorify so, I mean Ty Cobb was an asshole we know that but you know but there were there were. Key lessons that we learned from these ballplayers growing up, where I learned about you know hard work and work ethic and tenacity and all these kind of important lessons through the 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 lens of baseball and through the lens of the people playing the baseball. So I, the stories that resonated the most for me were the ones that were about the people, and this is what this book very much was. It was about Roberto Clemente's growing up. It was about his um, experience in Puerto Rico, his experience playing in the in the Negro Leagues, dealing with the color barrier. Um, you know, I was surprised very little. actually, actual baseball, you know, yes, like... But, yeah. but
0: what there was... Yeah, was... Was gorgeous. The, yeah. This, this book on a whole is beautiful. Yeah, totally. San diego is amazing. And baseball is hard to capture. We talked about this a while ago. Yep. not a, It's been a while since I talked about it, but baseball is hard to capture in still imagery and drawings because yep. it's so fluid and there's so much movement. But this is the mm. best I've ever seen done in drawings. There's a couple... Of, there's a Satchel page book that was pretty good and there was the... Uh, Gom's Mighty Swing, which is pretty good. But yeah. this is the most beautiful I've ever seen anyone draw people playing baseball. Yeah. And, like, and what's great is that uh, Santiago
1: uh, subtly uses mixed media in that, in that he's, you know, he's drawing and his, and his drawings are great and the tones and the colors are amazing. But then he'll also factor in a photograph or – what I loved was like the original art of like newspapers or the programs or the ticket. Like he works into his artwork. So you really get – I felt like I was in 1960 watching the World Series. Like you get a real feel for the era that it takes place in, that time period that it takes place in, and I
0: love the evil Yankee introduction.
1: Yeah, the, the Bronx Bombers <laughs> with the bomber. And, yeah, it was. They look gr-
0: like villains, though.
1: Yeah, it was great. And what I what I loved was that like he recaps Clemente's entire career on one page. Um, and it happens to be the same page celebrating his marriage to his wife vera and you 've got the picture of Clemente and his and his wife you know kind of in their wedding thing, and around it are flowers and then just like this tape of all of his uh, achievements through the 60s, and the lower bar of the page is like a perspective shot of him as the player and so you see you know he's, he wins the MVP, he makes the, the all star team he gets the batting title, you know gets the best average title, but what was more important was that he you know was married and had a family, and you know what I mean so it balances those two things really really well so um, book was great. I I mean, it was just—it's kind of thing where I want to hand to any kid who's into baseball and learn about Roberto Clemente, celebrate baseball, celebrate the important things of like giving back to your community and and the things that Clemente stood for, but also learn a little at the same time. So
0: Wait, and I, years, you can read it as a non-baseball fan. Exactly. Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah. So yeah, and that's all. I mean, that's always the case. That yep. you know, I can be not a sports
2: fan, but I you know, I'll read that Black Sox book. I love the idea of um, how celebrity works, yep. like in terms of different eras and what years. Was he active? Was he playing? You said he died in seventy-two. He died in
0: seventy-two. He
2: came up in like fifty-seven or fifty-eight, I think. Yeah, Yeah. he
0: played for a while.
2: Yeah, Um. when when did? When did it integrate, or when did when did the Negro leagues see? No,
0: Negro
1: leagues didn't see. The, well, Jackie Robinson brought the color barrier in forty seven, for, right, and okay. then
0: and then uh, and, they, they limped along for a while. Once right. the players started getting poached from the Negro leagues and the stars left the Negro leagues, and the league slowly died.
1: Yeah, like you, and actually, you got a really interesting kind of um, uh, conversation there, where Branch Rickey, who was the guy who brought in the um, who brought in Jackie Robinson, and th- they show the conversation about Clemente, and he's kind of saying, "No, not yet." Like they, they brought they they only they controlled the flow of African American players in the major leagues for the first eight years or so. And then by the mid fifties it was just it was, you know, full on and then the Negro leagues ended. So um well, so, the thing is interesting about baseball is how long a career can last in that way. Oh the players yeah, play of exactly. twenty 20, twenty than any other any other Yeah, any other sport. yeah twenty, thirty years. I mean Don Sutton was like forty seven, right? Or so crazy. I was really
0: impressed with the final page. I was I was as I was reading it, you know, I of course knowing about Roberto Clemente, wondering how they're gonna get to the death yeah it was very elegantly handled very yep. subtle very emotional
1: yep um, so well and it's the design of this book everything er, er, yeah everything was beautiful Fantagraphics did such a great job it's 20, $22.99 nice hardcover um, it's perfect you know it just it it, it it totally captured baseball in this guy's life in a, in a great way that only graphic novel storytelling could do so um, cool. Check it out if you're into baseball. So, yeah. I am sold. And go to ifanboy.com and you check about, You can read my review and you can comment there and there's a link to buy it on Amazon. So check it out. Awesome. All
2: right. Uh, we got some yeah, email? Let's, yeah, let's go ahead and rip through these before we uh, get going. Uh, first one up, Andy from Cincinnati. He wrote Cincy, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, I thought I was done with back issues. I was on the trade bandwagon and the there's, there's few issues I needed to complete any runs I wanted to keep, I had finally purchased. So he was all set. Then today I go into my LCS and the owner shows me a complete run of Miracle Man. Now it looks like I'll be buying back issues for some time. My question <laughs> is <laughs> like a junkie. My question is what, if any, series or runs would you brave the back issue bins for? Oh, well, I've answered this before.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're you're. Are you still working on your? Well, I'm with? I'm not I'm not work, I'm not actively working on it because I my collection is in wo because I've been so busy at work my collection is in bad shape. So I don't actually know what I have. So I need to like oh. I need to like spend a couple of days and just like go through what I've got and get them back in order and then make a list and go through. But are I am still doing
0: All Star Squadron. Are
1: you still doing? All-star? No, no. I, I pretty much stopped everything. I want basically I wanted to do I wanted to get I wanted to get All Star Squadron. I wanted to get Defenders and I wanted to work on my Uncanny X Men um run um and I just so, haven't haven't done it. so. When when was the last time you back issue dove? No, well, like when was the last time you were like I got an uncanny
2: X Men that I didn't have? Uh, it ha- it's in the pa- pa- within the, within the past year. Within the past year, oh, okay. yeah. So it's yeah.
1: still yeah. Still- I look, I look like in Chicago when I snuck away. I was when, when I snuck away at C two E two was half the time I spent looking at original art. Half the time was uh, flipping through the back issues. So, mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Connor, are you are you no, I, mean, I was thinking. I, you know I was reading the email before we did the show, and I was thinking like if I was super rich. I would mm-hmm. probably look for like old, you know, like seminal issues. Yeah, but, but maybe if I was bored, like yeah. I'd probably do something other. Like I'd probably spend my time doing something else. But I, there's very little <laughs> in anything. He mean women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's very little, <laughs> if anything, I would be doing to go into a back, issue. been for. This and boy. Josh, you, and Josh, you don't care, right?
2: No, I, I actually I was thinking not, but like, if if there was a, a like new collection of Miracle Man, I would rather have that than the issues. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have those issues, but I would like to have that that whole story uh, at some – like, we we share it like that episode of The Simpsons. Like, we have them all right between us, but we don't really uh, – but I think, like Connor said, like, one thing I would like to do would be to have sort of certain seminal issues. There are things I'd love to have. I'd, I'd love to have Showcase 22, which is the first Al Jordan. And well, I
0: have yeah, the first like – Stuff like that would be fun. Uh, that's something that's actually yeah. interesting and worthwhile and – and has a place in history. Like I has have a the first,
2: uh, I have the first Hawkeye. I have the first uh, Inhumans. Like I like those kind of things. Those are kind of cool. But I, I don't want to have runs. I don't care about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to get some seminal kind of you know seminal seminal issues. But I also would like I, I want my runs. Uh, yeah, I, I got the runs. All right, moving on. And, uh, we want to follow up on uh, something we talked about last week was a store
2: uh, where a, a girl had a woman I don't know she Lincoln, had a, had, a, uh, had
0: a bad experience
2: in Rochester right at a, at a shop called uh, Comments et etc and uh, somebody else wrote in to tell us about their experience with the store and we thought equal time you know uh, uh, I just wanted to respond to the pick of the week episode 280 this is Robert Robert uh, we can't read this whole thing. No, No, I I, I cut it down. In Rochester, New York. That said, I frequented Comets, et cetera, every Wednesday this past winter. had nothing but good shopping experiences every time time I went in there. The owner and one of his employees are super down-to-earth guys, and when I told them I was from out of town, uh, they immediately set me up with a weekly discount coupon, and even when I forgot the coupon every Wednesday, they gave it to me anyway. I'd always hang out for a bit. We'd have comic talk. Another guy steered me towards indie stuff and a great dim sum place down the street. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have picked up all the books that I'm currently in love with. Uh, The guys at Comets, et cetera, made my stay in Rochester, a bit more tolerable and sane when I was away from my life and friends. Uh, it's sad to hear that such a nice guy who is trying to own a small business and, and also does a lot of work within his community had to get that kind of press, especially in a town like Rochester that had fallen on hard times in the past few years. So, Robert has uh, said he had a good experience at this store. And I, you know, we don't want to paper it well, one way or another.
0: And, uh, Megan actually commented in the, in the comment section of the show last week and said that she had actually in, had put in contact with the owner mm-hmm. and they worked it out. Apparently the people that she dealt with weren't normal Employees and/or people that worked there. It was very, very sort of nebulous. In in Robert's email, he said that he had dealt with some bad sort of weekend employees. people who don't work, regularly work there. There's been a couple of instances of, of bad employees there, but for the most part, the experience is, is not that bad. And she and Megan said that they, she talked to the owner and worked it out. She felt all right now about the store. So so, yeah, so she so she kind
1: of res, not rescinded, but you know, said that it wasn't a completely the consistent experience from that store. That it might have been a one time kind of particular people were there that that caused it to be a negative time that time uh, regardless yeah, regardless uh,
2: which is good they're they're, yeah. they're exonerated somewhat but you know if you're at a bad shop and you don't like the experience you have don't buy it from them even yeah. if you know if it's the only place you can get comics you just you just Keeping them going, if you yep. do.
1: and you can get books online. You can go to Discount Comic Book Service and a whole bunch of other places on, online, or hopefully the next ten over or something like that. But yeah, but um, but it's good and that that you know that she kind of spoke up and we talked about the issue and that sort of thing. And I'm glad to hear that the, the store isn't completely awful. So I mean,
0: um, and and it was a good issue to talk about because those those stores do exist, sadly. Yeah. So, Cool. So if you have any questions, you can email us
1: at contact.ifanboy.com or you can call us on our voicemail line at one eight eight fanboys It's one 326 2697 No voicemails this week because we ran a little long talking about the book of the month, but we got a bunch in the queue and we'll get to them next week. Um, so if you're not listening to iFanboy, don't miss. You are missing out. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts that we do. It comes out every Monday. It's a short little 15-20 minute conversation with the creator about a book that's coming out. And this week, Connor, uh, Connor gets in,
0: in on the action. This week I talked to Judd Winnick about Generation Lost, Justice League Generation Lost number twenty-four, the final issue, the almost double-sized final issue. We talk about the issue a bit, the whole series in general. How you know a little bit of Justice League International. There's sort of a, a very interesting discussion about the book. It's very excited. He's very excited to get people to read it.
1: Cool. We're big fans of Judd, so it's always good to hear from him. So. Uh,
0: and it's supposed to be action-packed. Yeah. It's a thirty-plus-page fight scene. Nice. Wow.
1: So you can you can get that on um, iFanboy.com every Monday, or you can go to iTunes and subscribe to it. Please leave a review if you. Enjoy it. Tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe to it. Don't miss out. I know not everybody who listens to this podcast listens to Don't Miss. You need to change that. You need to listen to both of them. Come on. Be a completist. You need to get on that. You need to you get on that. Check
2: it. out ifanboy.com. You can read my pick of the week, the review for uh, Six Gun Number 11. You could read uh, Ron's whole review of 21, the story of Roberto Clemente, and all sorts of Clemente. stuff. This week... This week, uh, I was very proud of our content this week. There's all sorts of really good, fun stuff, uh, top to bottom, Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends too, but just this week, I, I was, it was a really good week. So if you're not – again, if, you know, if you're, you're listening to this show but you're not listening to the other show or you're listening to something but not going to the website, go to the website. We work really, really hard on that. Uh, this is a and, great uh, week. It was a great week. Oh, totally a great week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, who are those guys? Who are uh, them? fanboycom slash about will tell you who we are and all the different social network links that you can uh, – that you can go through to talk to us about things. That is also the video show. Last week was the second part of WonderCon. Uh, or part six of the of the con saga, yeah. So, so predictably, uh, next week, uh, we're back on the couch. Yep. So, if you've been yeah. looking forward to that, we're going we're to do a we're do a, a nice, comfortable old vault show. We talk about some books uh, that we liked on the couch.
1: Yep. Uh, so that'll be fun
0: exciting That exciting vault show you'll find out why next week yes mm. and
1: um, as I mentioned you can email us at contact.fanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one fanboys it's one always good to hear from you
0: and as you said write a review on iTunes if you like this show for this show for the Don't Miss Show for the video show for Word Balloon for every show you listen to it really helps people find their shows when people search for podcasts the more reviews the easier it is to find stuff so everyone who does a podcast appreciates when you write a review on iTunes thank you very much yes Cool, so jam-packed, week, jam-packed podcast
1: to end last week, to start this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I am Josh. Thank you very much, everyone. Was <laughs> oddly formal.
0: I know. <laughs> I, just, I never do that, yeah. so I was like... You
1: know, I'll, tr- I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. I, I, you know, felt
2: good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was nice. I was just, I was, you know, I was just the guy in the office that time. I'm just the guy. I wasn't the wacky guy in the office.
1: <laughs> and if you ever make
0: it to ten you won't make it again never make it to 10, you won't make it again